You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade. Now dad's reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm J.B. Wagner. And I'm Eddie Ferguson. And on today's episode, we realize we are beautiful butterflies as we review A Bug's Life. But first, J.B., how are you and the family doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, I don't know if this is so much a thing about my kids as much as it is just uh, trying new things as a family and failing uh, at them. <laughs> so we, since we bought the home, one of the things we really wanted was we wanted to plant a garden and yeah. we've not, we've never done it before. The most that we've done is my wife does a lot of um, like plants and st- house plants around the house and stuff. And she used to have an well, herb When did garden. you move in? What, so we moved, what time of year did we moved in September, but then you're moving yeah. in we tried to do, yeah, we tried to do something in our October, but we went to um, we went to one of the Home Depot, like Home Depot, and we asked them for something, some specific uh, starters to to I think for onions or something like that, and the guy just laughed at us and said those have been gone for weeks and just walked away, just like literally mm-hmm. walked away from us. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we'll give it another chance in the spring. So here we are, ready to go, itching to do this. Uh, so we decide, okay, we've already had the planter box that was left from the previous owner that they did tomato plants. You're like, okay, let's do three things. Let's do tomato plants, let's do carrots, and let's do potatoes. That'll that'll be a good, like, try a few different things, and if one, most of them probably easy, won't work. Easy things. Those yeah, yeah, starters, exactly. Yeah. So we go, we buy all the things this weekend. We're going to do all this stuff. We're like, the kids are excited. We had, like, Friday evening had kind of pulled a lot of the weeds out and the kids were loving like getting in there and playing in the mud and everything like that and they were they were so excited um and and my son's been like we got to plant stuff we got plants can we plant stuff now this has been like weeks going so we finally do it go get all the things bring it back spend a little bit of money on all 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 the different things and so we plant the tomatoes get those right and good we spend some time really making some nice rows for the uh, potatoes plant all the pieces of the potatoes uh, then we do the carrots and all that stuff. We water it all down. We're like, okay, feeling great about this. Can't believe we've done it. Awesome. Cool. Seeds are in the ground. Here Seeds we are go. in the ground. Here we go. Little did we know that there are some plants that you really want to wait to like plant them the- due to this thing called frost. frost. We woke up Sunday morning, frost on the ground. Yeah. And my wife just goes out and she's like, yeah, our tomato plants are already dead. Killed them like instantly. Today, they're your like, pot- uh, they're gone. Your potatoes and carrots, they'll do fine. You'll but, have an early crop. Yeah, but Eddie, it was, it was the fact we couldn't even make it 24 hours and we already killed a the third tomatoes. of our crops. And yes, I'm speaking yes. of like, 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 like I'm on Farmville or something like that. A third of our crops are already dead and it hasn't even been 24 hours. Uh, but the kids had fun playing in it. We had it. We had a good time uh, kind of getting all that ready. We also started another project in the front of our house, trying to get rid of some rocks and plant some bushes that kind of started going sideways. And we, we were starting to realize we need more soil after we pull out all the rocks. So we just kind of like we left the weekend just going like we did a lot of things. We don't know how much we accomplished, but 
the kids didn't know any better. They got to get dirty and play in the mud and play in the dirt and do all kinds of stuff. But it was just more of a fun parenting learning experience for us. And we'll found out a new a new thing that apparently for a lot of these plants, you should wait till after tax day. That's like the big. Well, the I big, just big looked up on Farmer's Almanac for you. Thank you. Which is the the golden standard, gold standard. Uh, for where you're at. You need to wait till after April 12th. Yep. Right around tax day. That's what. Yep. Indiana's a little bit later. They usually say in Indiana, don't plant tomatoes until after the 1st of May. Well, there we go. We're giving Mm -hmm. people planting advice, gardening tips, Mm -hmm. feel like this is a PBS uh, special or uh, NPR or radio hour where you can call in and ask for all your (laughs) green, green thumb stuff. And while we're on it, uh, plant basil around the base of your tomato. Um, it'll they will both grow better being close to each other. Oh, interesting! Just throw okay. some, just throw some basil in there. Throw some basil seeds or what? Yeah, you can throw some basil seeds, or probably when you go to buy some more tomato plants, yep. which you will be. We got to use those steaks that we got. What we bought on <laughs> April on April twelfth. Um, there will be starters of basil as well. So, okay, we will, we'll go. I'm, I'm going to text my wife while we're, while we're talking about this. And let me just say one of the best things in the whole wide world is bruschetta where you dice up some fresh tomatoes with a lot of basil, a little bit of onion and garlic and a whole bunch of balsamic vinegar. You put that on toast like that. We had a planter, a raised planter that we just had tomatoes and basil growing out of just so that like once a week all summer long we're just like chowing down on the bruschetta so good well there we go i will i will, I will gluten, give that a gluten dairy free bread of course of course because we don't want to kill you guys we don't want to no. kill you guys no, no we, we no. like to have you guys around as long as possible so well that's exciting i love gardening i think gardening is incredibly relaxing and peaceful first time ever so We'll see. We'll see how it does. That's why we try to do three plants. Yeah. Didn't try to go too crazy. She does also have yeah. some uh, another um, herb little starter garden that she's she's starting on that that we've just got rosemary in right now. But we're going to mm. add some more to that. And we're just trying not to go too crazy. I had to kind of rein yeah. myself back in from creating more planter boxes. It's like just get through this season. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. You maybe start strawberries in a little bit inside. Who knows? Who knows? We'll, we won't get crazy. But what was crazy that dropped almost immediately after a couple episodes ago was a trailer that dropped that we didn't even have time for all of the Disney stuff the past couple of weeks to fit this in. But after two episodes ago, right after it, there dropped the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've been waiting for it. We started getting hints of it. We started getting photos and an entertainment tonight or entertainment weekly article showing some behind the scenes or some in-depth photos of stuff and there it was eddie the obi-wan trailer tell me just i just watched it again um it's it is uh it tells you it does it you know it's it's that typical like it's not the teaser it's the trailer where it shows you a whole bunch of stuff but doesn't really show you or tell you anything yes it tells you everything and nothing at the same time Though all I needed was between the darkness and defeat, hope survives. 
Oh my goodness. Whoever wrote that little tagline, I'm like, boom. If you if you wanted to charge me like an upcharge to watch this show, I would do it right then and there. <laughs> I yes, I was very excited to get some action, to get some some sense of a plot. Obviously, the what's happening here is they're af- they're after all the Jedi. This is right after Order 60. Yeah, not right after. So I found out it's uh it's supposed to be 10 years into the future after okay. uh Order 66, which is right at the end of uh Revenge of the Sith. Um so we're just coming out of that huge battle 10 years down the road. Uh obviously uh he's been protecting uh Luke on Tatooine and he what they what they say and what was awesome I, I went back and read some of the um entertainment weekly article that kind of dropped what a couple days or a day before maybe even the same day that the or a couple of days before the trailer came out and they really paint this picture of like a broken you uh no, it's mostly Hugh and mcgregor obi-wan kenobi um and it kind of like how does he get from this place where he just thinks maybe he or pretty sure he kills or his friend who goes to the dark side and he's right. watching Luke. He's in a dark place. How does what's the gap between that and the next ten and ten years after that, which is when a new hope comes around and he's like full of life and is ready to to be that the guiding Jedi uh, master for Luke down the road. Um, it's really interesting what they're going to kind of do with that. Yeah, and I mean, I I like that we already know that this is a limited series. Yep. That this isn't going to be open-ended, which I think forces them to step up and tell tell the right story for the right time. Um, and knowing that you've got Ewan McGregor back, which I just enjoy him as an actor. I also just, I'm a big fan of the Way series. The, the way, Long Way Round, the Long, the way, long around. way Down, Long Way Up. And those the, he was the, like he was the best part of the he was the best part of the prequels. Oh, hands down, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just like so many different elements there where I'm I'm really excited. Um, I like yeah the director that they've picked for all of these. I think this is going to um, just going to be. It's going to how do I want to say this? I think it. I I, I don't know, man. My my expectations are super high. I like super high like yep. this. This needs to be the best thing that Disney Plus has ever had. I don't think it has to be the best thing because we that that whole what's going to beat it. Well, I feel like we've had one of the top moments of all of Star Wars inside of the last series we just watched where you see Luke. We finally see baby. Luke, Luke and baby meta. Yoda. Yeah. yeah. We, we wanted have, to see mastered Luke. They've won. They've won. A, they've won a lot more grace with me, at least of like, OK, let's go. I'm ready for the next thing. I want it to be really good, but we've already had this pinnacle moment that we never thought we were going to get. It feels like we're playing with house money for a little bit here where we're just like, hey, we've got a li- we've got more room to kind of try some stuff. But you're right. Like, I want but it. This to is a good. different group. This is not produced by Filoni and Favreau. Now, Deborah Chow is still involved, and she was a she was one of the directors on the sure. original on the Mandalorian series, and they're still using some of the same technology. And, and Ewan yeah. McGregor is a producer of this as well. Ooh, he's See right there, Eddie. 
You're, 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 I'm feeling your nervousness. I'm trying to bring uh, you in. Like, let's have, let's enjoy this do, next do moment. You feel, do you feel the conflict that I have of like, I want this to be the greatest thing, but like, don't get your hopes up. I wanted the sequels trilogy to be amazing. And it just, <laughs> and even after I watched them, I'm like, oh, those were good. Those were great. Uh, uh, and then you're like, Stop lying to yourself. They no, they weren't. They didn't age age that well. Like two days after you watched them, you were like, "Mm, "Interesting." Why did I say that was good? Yeah, exactly. Can I just add a little element before we move on here? Um, I because this wasn't the only trailer for a new Disney Plus series. The Moon Knight trailer also dropped. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen one of them with Oscar Isaac's. Uh, I, and the, the one with Obi-Wan is so good. The lightsaber cutting out the Disney plus logo at the end. Yes. Why did that take them two years (laughs) to come up with that, to start branding the, the logo at the end with the series? Like it was really calm. That is brilliant. And then they did it again with the moonlight, uh, moon Knight uh, trailer. And I'm like, come on, whoever the marketing person here is with Disney Plus, like that's a golden moment. Like you've just got to you've got to capitalize on that. Do you like that? Which one do you like better? That style of like changing up the Disney Plus logo or when they change up the castle Disney logo before it starts? I leapt to my feet when they did the mariachi castle Mm -hmm. at the beginning of coco and still like we just watched coco last week and i was like (gasps) like hold my heart type of moment of like oh this is so good yep i wish they did it more honestly i I, it's a hit or miss thing they don't they don't always do they did uh incredibles also had kind of a cool flair too cruella had a really good one too yeah Uh, Yeah. a couple a couple other notes that. that i want to call out from that um uh, Entertainment Weekly article, one of which was the whole. Uh, we always, I always think of Ewan McGregor as like one of my favorite parts of those prequels. But you also sure. have to remember that like those prequels were so under fire from fans, from critics, from most everybody throughout that throughout their their lifetime. So you think of a guy who was in all three of them and is a part of it, and is a big part of it. And even though I kind of separate him from the sequel, like. He's watching this negativity go on and on and on. So he leaves that and it's like, I'm just going to go. I'm done. I'm done with this. Christian Hayden Christensen kind of as well. I think one of the two of them like went and got a farm in Canada because they were just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Hayden um, Christensen. Yes. So what was interesting was so younger fans started to get a little bit older and they started to share their experiences of the prequels. And that's the those young fans actually have very fond memories of the prequels. I have a friend, a, a co-worker that I work with. She uh, it's funny. She's a very harsh critic of movies and is very specific things she's looking for. So we like to debate after movies. She actually so she doesn't like the Star Wars ver- series very much. But she really she she remembers having fond memories of the prequels because she was young, younger yeah. than I am. And she remembered loving Jar Jar and loving those elements like that, because that's what that character was made for. So but anybody like teenager and above hated those moments because it was so right. slapsticky and so whatever. So yeah. Ewan said uh, McGregor said that um, it was interesting. Uh, so he said, now I meet people who made the, the who those mil- films were made for 
who were kids at the time and our Star Wars films are their Star Wars films. And the way that Carrie Fisher and Alec Guinness and Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford's films were ours, we are now we are actually theirs. And that's beautiful. And you can kind of see that the those kids getting older and having coming out and saying, No, I actually really loved them. And those movies meant a lot to me. That's a great point. Like then kind of helped him heal. I don't know if healing is the right word, but help him to have fonder memories of those times. And I think that was an in-between stair step for him to get to the point where then he's publicly saying out loud, oh man, I, yeah, I'd love to do Obi-Wan again. You should throw me an Obi-Wan again. And then that's where Disney came. It's like, actually, we're thinking about doing this. The, Can the, I say yeah, before you do that, it. I think the same thing is going to happen with the sequel trilogy. Like my niece and nephews love- Love them. Love Ray. They love- um, all of the other characters. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's going to happen there too. I can see that. One of the other last things that I thought was interesting from the article, there's a lot of good things from it, but one of the other things was the, after Solo, the sheer fear and reticence that they had to do any more Star Wars standalone films again, even trying to eke out that last two, last one or two Star Wars films that they already had kind of ready to go. I think the last one they still had left to go, they were just so shell-shocked from Solo. And I don't think it was, I think there was many things happening with it, but the fact that when when they brought in, okay, we're now going to do Disney Plus and we have to do it with to make more content for this streaming platform, the, the fact that they didn't have to make another Star Wars film but could make Star Wars shows help right. create a gap between um, uh, the, the, they said uh, there was an opportunity to experiment in that space without the level of scrutiny that happens when you release a feature film. I thought that was interesting that they could see, oh, we can, we can do some TV and kind of still do Star Wars things, but people are, oh, it's TV. It doesn't have to have the same level that a movie does. I thought that was very interesting that they were like, this is how we can get it in the back door. And Mandalorian was the first attempt at that. Solo's not that bad, though. I, I think it ages well. I, I actually enjoy. Well. Oh yeah, I enjoy being on that ride with those people. I think for for sure, people hated that it was someone other than Harrison Ford in there. Sure, and it just wasn't. There was definitely some times. This was the first couple of screens where I was like, this doesn't necessarily feel exactly yeah. like you Star Wars, and you can feel the clunkiness in the story, right? That they're Okay, somebody somebody re-sculpted somebody else's work here. There's that's just exactly a few, what happened. Yeah. There's a several kind of clunky moments here, but um can I give one last thought with yep. Obi-Wan Kenobi that yep. I saw out there on the internet that I thought was quite hilarious? You and I both, we've talked about it on here, have gone to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Yes. When they first were going to build those, the uh, leading idea was to build a Tatooine world. Yeah. And Kathleen Kennedy is famous for saying, no, don't do a location in the past. All, you know, Star Wars is in the future. There's going to be future stories that people want to be open and willing to explore. This is now going to be the third series of new Star Wars series set <laughs> where? In the past. Tatooine. Tatooine. That's They're right. all at Tatooine. Tatooine. That's, that's amazing. So uh, they could have just gone ahead and done Tatooine. Because that's one of the big complaints against Star Wars Galaxy's Edge 
is it's not familiar enough. Like Harry Potter world, you're actually going to Hogsmeade. You're actually going to Diagon Alley and Galaxy's Edge, which is amazing. I love it. I think it's incredible, but we've never been to Batu in any of the movies or the stories, right? And I'll say this, yes and. Yes, it would have been better if it was, I'm in the cantina and I'm in... I, I'm right around the corner from uh, uh, the 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 home or the hut, and they had like the droid errors, stuff like that that I had seen before. Hundred percent. At the same time, it's an overwhelming, amazing experience. Yes, they period. bring in enough Star Wars. Uh, I don't know culture. Yes, to make it make up make up for it. I I just want one of these series to actually go to Batu. Like, come on, yeah, put it great. in. Don't don't put it in some like third tier comic or book or whatever that you know yeah. uh, only the elite fandom actually spend the time on. Like, put it in one of the main things. Eddie, did I tell you that I have started actually reading some of the Star Wars Whoa. books? I've entered a new phase. I was really interested in their new, brand new series, The High Republic. Yes. So I got it from my. Local library. Shout out to the Look at you. Shout out to the library. I got their fir- the first in this series, and I've been reading it, and it's been super fascinating. It's been. Fun. Is it good? I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think you uh, should try it. I I need a fun fiction book. This is then then Eddie. This is for you. I think I think you're gonna like it. It's called I think it's the Light of the Jedi. Let me make sure I'm saying that right. Yes. Um, Light of the Jedi, Star Wars High Republic. It's one of three books that they've released. I think they've got more coming, um, but it's fun. It's it's what I need. It's it start. It's it, it's a rocket ship. The first opening chapter is just like boom. Here we go. See, this is why I like reading even like the like John Grisham or James Patterson books that are just like fun, fun rides, fun stories. Don't make me yep. think too hard. Like let's just. Get the brain on something fun. Okay. There you the go. Light of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. It's book I have one. learned something. I hope the listeners I've learned also. something. I'm super I'm, are, are we gonna start a book club? We're gonna start a book club. We we could just turn, <laughs> once we're done with this series that we're currently on, going from nineteen eighty eight to two thousand five, all our childhood uh Disney films. And that's what we should do next. We should just read chapters of the mm. books and like you get we'll the page do... turns. The next one will be creativity incorporated oh we have to we'd have to do that yes. one for sure but anyways but this is not why you have gathered this is here not to this is not why you've, you've been here nope not at all uh today uh we're here to talk about like it feels like it's i know it hasn't been a long time because we just did mulan but it's been it feels like a long time just because of We've done a good one, mostly because we keep on having these clunkers in the middle of these like last week's. But no, today I'm super excited because we are talking about the next Pixar film in the Pixar library, which is A Bug's Life. Cue the Disney sound effect. Okay, let's see what IMDb has for us in this uh in this description what what is the log line for this okay so imdb bugs life a misfit ant looking for warriors to save his colony from greedy grasshoppers recruits a group of bugs that turn out to be an inept circus 
troop. And and inept circus troop is where it got me. Which is like that actually is quite true. And this is this is this is good. I enjoy I enjoyed this. This whoever wrote this one, good job. Good job, guys. And this is that's pretty uh close to I've of course got the Wikipedia page up, so somebody must have got really close. They were saying the film involves a misfit ant, Flick, who is looking for tough warriors to save his colony from a protection racket run by hoppers gangs gang of grasshoppers we don't need people's names we don't need any of that stuff unfortunately the warriors he brings back out to be uh turn out to be an inept troop of circus bugs i love that they included a protection racket which there's a link to the wikipedia page Describing what a protection racket is, it is a type of racket and a scheme of organized crime perpetuated by potentially hazardous organized crime group that generally guarantees protection outside the sanctions of the law. This just feels like Wikipedia is trying to link to other things that they already have. (laughs) It's like, if you'd like this, you'll also like this, but you got to click on this to understand what we're saying this. That's too much. Too much. So this is the second... Uh, Pixar Animation Studios film. The very first one, of course, is Toy Story in 1995. And so it is now three years later that we get A Bug's Life. Um, This is directed, co-directed by the same who did Toy Story, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton. Um, This uh, was famous because the same year you get DreamWorks comes out with their version called Ants, Ants with a Z, um, which um, DreamWorks was found co-founded between Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and one other person that I can't remember. And Jeffrey Katzenberg was the president of Disney Studios during the '90s, and so there was so all he knew this, it was coming. He knew that it was uh, a potential idea. And so uh, it was uh, it was rushed. Have you seen Ants, the DreamWorks counterpart? Not to this? in a long like I think right. All as they I both remember came out. is that it is creepy. It has some weird, weird moments. So I want to I, w- I was wondering if there was a definitive like this because th- there's certain times where it's like, yeah, these are two things are too close to not be somehow related or somebody saw something or another and mm-hmm. so i was very glad that you had the de- had somewhat of more of a definitive like oh this is kind of how that happened it's because somebody worked there and then came over here similar to the prestige and um uh the, the illusionist, illusionist how those two yeah. things and i found out the illusionist had been in produ- not production but had been written and been shopped for several years before um, like it'd been, I don't know if it was 10 years or what, but it'd been around the studios for a long time. So that's kind of probably how it got on other people's radar. But anyways, yeah. what's interesting about this film, this feels like one of the forgotten Pixar films. Yeah. Like no one talks about this film. And in, and in fact, Disney California Adventure got rid of a lot of the Bugs Life stuff to rebrand all of that. Well, Avengers it, had, campus. it had its whole land. It had uh, and it was a bunch all taken and it was all taken away, including the theater, which I'm, I'm kind of glad they got rid of the theater stuff because they had the, the ride, they would like poke you in the back of your chair for that, like five to 40 experience. So and I hated that, the ride, but. 
That show still exists, though, if you do ever want to uh, see it. It's at Disney's Animal Kingdom in the oh. Tree of Life. There's a theater underneath the, the giant tree, and that's where that is showing. It's tough to be a bug. Um, yeah, you're you're totally right, though, that this is somehow... Because the, the third movie from Pixar is Toy Story 2, and somehow mm-hmm. I have a feeling it just gets lost in the midst of it. Um, and I don't think it should. I think should. it, I, I think it holds up in the, um, in the, 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 the library of Pixar films. It does. I, the story is unique. It's fun. It's an, it's an adventure in there. Um, you get the quirkiness of the troop of, of other bugs that we kind of l- talked about in the opening, the circus troop. And I, I was funny. Most of the quotable lines from this film kind of come from them. They kind of come from right. the, I mean, the biggest one is Heimlich. Like the Heimlich has so many moments in this film where you're just like, you just love this really random group of people and flick kind of fits that as well versus the very straight laced Ada. And all of those people, like you just endeared to Flick from the moment you see him. Like he's just trying his best. He's doing he's trying to help. He's he's doing things to, to kind of help make everybody better, but he's not got the bell from Beauty and the Beast complex of like looking down on the other people. Like it's very mm-hmm. much like I'm here for the group. I just want and he just can't help himself. He just keeps doing the wrong thing over and over and over again. And even when he finds people, he brings the wrong people in, but then they kind of help. And his ideas are not crazy. They're great, but they're also flawed and they're not. It's like he's ahead of his time. But I just, I, I mean, Flick is the heart and soul of this thing. And yeah. then you get the circus troop, which is like the fun and excitement and the lovability of it as well. Um, but yeah, and no, it's great. A movie is only as strong as its villain. 100%. And this has arguably one of the best villains in all mm-hmm. of Pixar movies. And uh, I know he has uh, not in good graces anymore, but Kevin Spacey brings a phenomenal voice performance mm-hmm. here that just elevates this character and really what drives the movie, what really gives such a a driving force to the whole drama. Yes, the whole scene, I mean, the biggest one, I mean, the opening is amazing. You don't see them. You hear them. You hear their buzzing sounds. And then the right. first thing you see is them stomping through the, the foot, ground, the, the foot, foot through the ceiling. Yes. And then it's them landing on the ground with the, the, the sound design and everything is so incredible. And especially when they're flying, they're like, when he's like, let's ride. And people are like buzzing. You can feel it in your chest. Well, that, that whole scene is so lifted out of apocalypse now with the <laughs> with the grasshoppers flying through the fog to hit you know hit the island um and his speech just before that with the single grains oh when they're uh, in mexico then, yeah uh, oh my goodness yes that uh that is such a i don't know a palpable moment for a villain it's just He's, such a great villain speech. you're right that my this always comes most of these films like weigh heavily on how good is your bad guy how good is your villain yeah. in this they didn't necessarily give him any sort of backstory which i you generally sort of like i like to have some sort of groundedness to it and the only thing he really has is that he wants like he lost kind of lost his eyes got kind of like a weird something or another happening with his eye 
Um, but yeah, the design of of the grasshoppers, how they're so much more impo- they're so imposing and sharp uh, with all their pointy edges and stuff like that. The, and yeah. the, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so because this is the thing that I found so interesting in rewatching this is it's obvious that this is still this is only the second computer animate full length computer animated film to ever come out in history, right? Yeah. And the computer animation is rudimentary looking back on it, right? It's yep. like looking back off on old CGI stuff. When once you see Toy Story 4, you know, and you're like, "Whoa, that's what they can do with computer animation." And then you come back and you watch something like this, you go, "Oh, wow, this is really rudimentary." However, in this, I feel like they just kind of maximize it. They they utilize their weaknesses in that area to to their advantage almost. Yep. And I think the grasshoppers, uh, the way you described it there is so spot on of like, that's, I, I just feel like they used what could have been, what was a restriction to really kind of help further tell the story and make it what it was. Because even everything from like the ground and the, um, the way the, the soil structure was, they kind of used it a little bit with how everything was circular and, you know, kind of very kind of ball-like. Um, the the way that the leaves functioned and flowed, the the background trying to have multitudes of ants and the ways that they yep. did that. Like there's just several little tricks and stuff that you can kind of see that they did, but it really makes it great. Staying on this level on this uh, topic, because we talked a little about the imposing nature and the voice and sound effects and stuff like that. The music of this film feels like the soundtrack for all all of Disney California Adventure. Like, <laughs> it, 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 as, as, this, as the Pixar library goes on, they get more specific for each film to kind of tailor it. This, well, Randy Newman has a very particular sound. Yes. Like, Randy mm-hmm. Newman, you're like, oh, yep, that's Randy Newman. I can point him out from anywhere. And that must be uh, it, because it sounds like... If you were just going to play one soundtrack for what is Pixar, this is that soundtrack. I mean, obviously, you'd still do Toy Story as well, but this just... Which fe- is what he did. Yeah, exactly. It, he, and so he, it, he did yeah. Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and even the first Cars movie, right? And there's a lot of... Tons of similarity. Uh, tons of similarity in field. Uh, and mo- most composers do, right? Most composers have a particular voice. Yeah, but this just felt like I'm like... I could just put this soundtrack on. It had a slight Wild West, like uh, mm. on a on a long journey uh, feel to it. And I was just like, if I just wanted to feel like I was at Disney California Adventure, I would put on this soundtrack. It just fe- it, it felt right, just in the same way. Bringing back up uh, Tomorrowland, that just sounds like Tomorrowland, like what I would expect in there. Right. Right. This. This also gave me that feeling where it's like, man, I didn't remember this being that iconic of a soundtrack for one of the films. But that was something I noticed on this time around. We talked about Kevin Spacey. There's a couple other voice actors in here that are worth noting. Uh, Princess Ada is voiced by Julia Louise Dreyfus, mm-hmm. which uh, I think she does a fantastic job. I love the I, Francis is one of my favorite characters in this. 
in the way that they just kind of play uh, play with that whole. Oh, you thought I was going to be a girl, <laughs> right? A male ladybug clown, which is just so hilarious, and to have him voiced by Dennis Leary yes. is brilliant and just endlessly funny. Um, you also have Slim, the walking stick that can't stand that all of his jokes have to deal with him being a stick used in different forms is voiced by David Hyde Pierce, um, from which from Frasier, which again is like, oh, just such perfect voice casting the way that that just kind of uh, links in there. Uh, you've got Bonnie Hunt. This is her first. She's going to come back again as Sally in Cars. Um, and then, of course, the good luck charm of all things Pixar, John Rattensberger as P.T. Flea. Um, but there are two young actresses who are in this that will later on become well-known. Do you know the first one? Hayden Panettiere as Dot. Yes. I, I, know, I, I didn't, didn't realize that till looking at the IMDb, which is... Really great. I didn't realize that that was that must have been her breakthrough role, even though her face is not on there. Right. And the second one? It's not on the top of my list. So sorry. Ashley Tisdale. What was from she? High School Musical was fame. She, was she one of the um, She was Girl the Scouts? leader of the Blueberry Scouts. Yes. Oh, so man. she has a very small little spot. But nonetheless, uh, High School Musical was not her first Disney film. <laughs> um, oh, you also have Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett is in here as well as Dem the Rhinoceros Beetle. Um, From Everybody Loves he, Raymond. And and he's done several uh, Pixar films. He's in Finding Nemo. He's in Ratatouille. A big um, voice. A big. Yes. He's just got um, an incredible. I think those are the the main ones that he's in. But yeah, so, so good. Such a good voice cast. Yeah. Uh, Dot definitely steals the themes that she's in. A little, mm-hmm. little bit of spice, a little bit of just like plucky wanting to... Good plucky, not like uh, um, some other... Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the, the, my, my wife's least favorite actress right now, which is from um, Haley Steinfeld. This took way too long, and I'm probably going to cut it out there, but my wife's least favorite actress, which Haley is Haley Seinfeld... Seinfeld that plucky this is like endearing ha- wants all the good things and we want all the good things for her so i, I thought hayden Panettiere, however old she was when she did that which she must have been really young did a great job with it um and i love the um pretend this rock is a seed thing and the way that that is used and then to give the, the must be bugs must, must be an ant thing. thing must be a circus thing <laughs> Uh, some of the great lines that I love from this film. Um, uh, Don't worry, the colony is in good hands. And then everybody erupts because Flick's leaving, but he's like... He's finally gone. He's he's loving it. Uh, all, most of what Heimlich says is something I repeated ad nauseum as a kid. Ah, uh, candy corn and... Uh, Francis, leave the flies alone. They have poo-poo hands. <laughs> like my kids now, like anytime they say poo-poo, love. Oh, yeah. Just love saying it. Um, and the, uh, look at me. I'm a beautiful butterfly. I'm a beautiful butterfly. You, you all look like little ants. <laughs> From up here, you all look like little ants. I look like little ants. <laughs> Those are, uh, I mean, flaming death is great. 
Oh, that whole yes. that whole sequence and how it becomes a hit, and then he's tra- that's how he like finds them is trying to bring them back. Then he uses flaming death to destroy their own uh, bird uh, concoction, like a uh, thing that they're they're using the remote control or the automatonic bird that they're using to uh, get get away. But really, the 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 best line that is just symbolic of how great Pixar is is. The whole Harry, don't look at the light. I can't help I it. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Ah! And it's the, the, that's anytime I see a lightning, uh, a lamp like I think that, of that, I think of that think moment. Of that. It was just iconic. It's one of the best things that they've ever done. And it was a throwaway in between transitions, <laughs> transition well, scene. And that whole um, scene in the city, if you pause or you just kind of look carefully at like everything in the background, the way they build out that world and think through every detail to be what would a Bugs City be is just brilliant. There's so many layers within all of that. Yeah, because you had Toy Story, which obviously started opening your mind to what toys that are alive could 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 kind of inhabit their little world. But this was the first time where there was like a city of right. this is their life. They're building up their way of life. It is separate from the human life and they've kind of taken over things and i just love all the different even like when you go into the bar and they're like hey waiter i'm in my soup and things like that that they're kind of they're kind of laughing about the the casey jr cookies animal cracker box that they use to (laughs) ride around in for the circus uh just things like that there was lots of those little tie-ins to real life and their life which i really enjoyed I, I more and more I wish uh, I wish this was a little more enjoyed and put forward in some of the uh, um, I don't know in the Pixar canon. I, it does get it did get um, the there used to be a nighttime show at the Magic Kingdom and called uh, Happily Ever After, and it had like just this brief little Bugs Life moment where you see Flick floating on the. Um, the dandelion seed. Um, but that's like the only little bit that I've, I've seen in a really long time, uh, which is sad because there's so many, this is just such a heartfelt movie. This has um, just, yeah, it's got a lot of heart to it. Even my kids, as we were watching it, loved it. Um, something happened where we had a pause it halfway through and we came back to it like two days later and finished it. And for the next like 48 hours, Lewis would not stop asking me, when are we going to finish the Ants movie? When are we going to finish the Ants movie? Um, And even afterwards, he's like, won't stop talking about it Um, because it is. It's just such a it's a good adventure. It's a good kind of, uh, you know, hero's tale. If my dad had to pause a movie and make me wait a couple days to watch it i would have told oh, him yeah. one thing i would have said you fired you fired, <laughs> you fired. <laughs> my kids also like this but they're still so like they just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing yeah. and keeping them in one spot hasn't been we haven't we haven't done a very good job <laughs> of like making them sit and watch it but anytime someone gets hit on the head bopped on the head whatever my son just starts cackling and we have to go back and play it again uh one which lo- this has lots of that it has the tons of it give you that i when we got to call out the whole ending sequence the whole ending battle sequence 
the rain sequence is just yes. phenomenal. That whole fighting in and out of the rain, flying, that big climactic ending with the bird's nest um, and Hopper uh, just is very cinematic, very huge, very big. I wish I could have been able to see this in a theater specifically for this scene. Yes. I, again, I think that is the uh, uh, a, another good example of using the rudimentary you know, uh, abilities that they had at the time to really still tell an incredible story. There's a moment in that sequence where Flick and Ada get stuck inside of a raindrop and like they roll down the leaf and hit the ground and pop out like that animation sequence and all that is so cool and really, really pretty. Who would have been your favorite uh, circus? bug who's your favorite um i remembered really liking um oh what is his name oh yes manny the praying mantis (laughs) um and mainly because at this age when this came out if you remember, I was really into magic and illusions. Um, <laughs> Did my dad have anything to do with that? Your dad had some to do with it, but also like we would go to Branson a lot to visit my grandparents and we would go to the big like illusion magic shows there. There was a magic shop there that I would always go to. Um, I still have my box of magic tricks from when I was a kid and the different things I did. So I remember really like loving Manny, uh, the praying mantis. Um, I thought that he was fantastic. Is that also why you love JJ Abrams so much because of the magic box Ted talk that he did where he never opened the box. He he's never opened the box from his grandfather or his father or something like that. Right. Right. The, the big box with the giant question mark. Yes. I, my love for JJ has waned post star Wars. Didn't uh, didn't win you over with star Wars. I, I brought it up on here before. It's mainly ever since I watched the making of the rise of Skywalker. That's where I was just like, which one gave you more of a sense of really that one or the making of the second Pirates of the Caribbean that we watched? I distinctly remember watching that with you and you and I both being like, holy cow. The Um, amount of money they spent to build a road to a very separate load, like could not get to location. No, the the rise of Skywalker 10 times, 10 times over was worse. Way worse than, oh, interesting. Because, well, and what was crazy about, I don't know how we're getting off onto this, but the one, uh, the making of the the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean, what's so crazy about that is how much money they were throwing at making two movies simultaneously, and they were writing those scripts as they were filming them. They didn't know the story that they were they were telling at that. And I think with Star Wars, what was crazy is there's just as much money, maybe even more, arguably. And uh, and in many ways, they're kind of making it up as they go as well. 
Like the whole Palpatine thing was just like pulled out of nowhere at the last second. It really makes you think, why did nobody say, hey, we're going to do three movies. Let's sit down and plan out all the movies together to work together. Or here's a crazy idea. The guy who created all of this has treatments for these three films. Let's use them. Let's use what the guy who created this whole franchise thinks we ought to do. But instead, no, let's uh, let's throw that out the window and, and do whatever we want. I don't know how we got off into that. Speaking of that, um, there is a beautiful story that is now in Pixar lore uh, because they made this really cool um, teaser trailer about it. But there it was in the summer of 1994, uh, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, Joe Rantiff all go out to lunch together and they sit together as kind of like the, the story team of Pixar. And knowing they were just about a year off from launching Toy Story, they begin to just dream and think about what future stories they could tell. It was at this lunch that A Bug's Life gets pitched. Also, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, wall which really... Toy Story is amazing. Toy yep. Story 2 is amazing. But I think what solidified Pixar as the animation studio of the new millennia is that you have such unique stories. We'll hit and we'll hit all of those that I mentioned. You get such unique stories told masterfully, right? Uh, and I don't think Pixar would be Pixar if you just had Toy Story. What makes Pixar Pixar, right? You know, this is that you had Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and a Monsters Inc., and Finding Nemo and Wally. Like totally different and complex stories. You know, they they're not using the same gag over and over, which is commonly the the complaint against DreamWorks, right? that it's talking animals. It's like, how many different versions of a talking animal movie can we make? Here, you see Pixar is just able to take totally different stories and venues and bring them to life in such real emotive ways. 100%. Rant over, rant over. (laughs) It's not really a rant if it's all true though, right? (laughs) And everybody knows it. It's not like a rant you do like, I don't think anybody believes me, but. I, I yeah, I mean, agree with you on that. Uh, and I love I do. Do you know the the teaser I'm talking about? I think it was before Wally. If I are remember you sure it was correctly. before Wally? I thought it was before Monsters Inc. Maybe it was. I I can't remember exactly which one it was. But do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Where it's like it's I think it one was before Monsters Inc. Because it was like you've seen Toy Story, you've seen A Bug's mm-hmm. Life, but have you ever seen an elephant fly? I mean, whatever the <laughs> the thing is. Uh I, I agree with you. I this this is one of the building blocks, but I I wish more people would go back and rewatch it. It hasn't been something we have, but going back through, I really loved it. I was trying to think of what are the what are the downsides to this film that I didn't truly love. I'm just, I'm having a hard time. I think maybe because it doesn't. The villain is really good. Like I'm I'm 
I'm thinking about my rating and I'm thinking about how I'm going to, how I'm going to position this. Sure. I, I'm having a hard time thinking of downsides to it other than the fact that I, I, I just can't think of any right now. Like villain, really, really bad. I mean, really great. The lead character, good. What, what, what is the downsides to this film? Um, I, I know we talked about the music and enjoying the music. I do think that there one of the downsides for me is that it isn't it it isn't set apart from Toy Story enough. Yeah. Like there's just enough themes in the music that um there was a couple of moments where I'm going, like, is that did he pull that like straight out of Toy Story? Cause it kind of sounds like it. Um um, yeah, it is kind of hard. There's a few of the lines with the I can't stand the queen mother in this and like the weird pool boys that she has or whatever. That's awkward. That's just awkward and weird to me, like uncomfortably. So in moments and like it pulled me out of the story a few times where I'm just like, well, okay, that's weird. I don't like that. I don't, I I thought Julia Dreyfus did a good job with Ada. I don't think she has much. Ada is one one flavor. She's kind of a nervous, a nervous up and coming leader, but she makes all the wrong, all the wrong decisions. She, I think she kind of leaves me a little bit hanging dry on there, especially because she's supposed to be kind of like the love interest in this, but she's also supposed to be the up and coming leader. I think. Why isn't she funny? Like why she's cast not funny one of all. the funniest actresses of all time? Like I put Julia Louis Dreyfus up there with like Lucille Ball. I think she's hilarious. She's really funny. But you don't give her a single funny line. I don't. Yeah, there wasn't. She didn't make any. She was the straight character. She like had no. There was yeah. There wasn't that much interesting to her. That was they, I, she didn't stand out, and which kind of does pull it back a little bit for me. Um, in this in this context, yeah. Are we ready to give our rating? I mean, we have to. So we're just. <laughs> I feel I feel like we should get like little whiteboards and like pre-write them down. Granted, this is a podcast, so no one's gonna. No one's, I, I should, we should be forced to come up with a number beforehand. I think I had, I had mine last week. I knew exactly what I was going to give it before we started. And, and I, I know, I I know mine. That. I know mine for A Bug's Life. Okay, go, go for it, Eddie. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I think this is solid. Um, I wish it wasn't, uh, kind of the forgotten Pixar movie, but at the end of the day, it is the forgotten Pixar movie, right? Um, it's not a good dinosaur, which is like, needs to be the forgotten Pixar movie where you're just like, it needs to be extinct. What? Why? Seriously? This is Pixar? Um, we just forget about it. Yeah. Let's just not, but it's still, but it's still really, really good. It's still really amazing. And it's one that like, I know my kids are going to ask me if we can watch the bug movie again. Um, and so there's, and I think the two, the, the things for me are Ada and the queen and then the music that just kind of keeps it from being top shelf Pixar. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Because I'm trying to get, I feel like this similar to when we were, I was on that kick for wolves don't attack people. I feel like <laughs> when I was going back through listening to all the, trying to when get all the ratings kick. to the website, I was like, man, this was a 
ongoing bit for a long time. Why was I still on this kick? I This is my chance to educate people on the fact that this is a really good film. I really love, <laughs> I really love this movie. I, it gives me so much joy being, being in this world. I think that it doesn't have as high of a ceiling as, or as high of a ceiling as a lot of other, as some of the other films like Wally, where it just like pulls your emotions out of you. You're like crying. It doesn't have like a crying, really sentimental thing. So that's why I'm going to pull it back a little bit and definitely not go into, um, gummy worm status but man it's i just don't know why we don't we don't talk about this film more i really love it it's one of my it's definitely up there but i'm gonna give it a four and a half it is really really good um and it kind of makes me sad that the a bug's life land no longer exists at dca to be able to go and i feel like i didn't appreciate it when it was there you don't mm. appreciate something until it's gone it's your fault jb it's my fault Oh, well, and with that, your life has forever been changed by another episode of Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review or share it with your best friend. Like I'm sharing this story with my best friend, Eddie, right here. You can also check us out at our website, honeywemade.com, where you can see our full list as we continue to go through all of the Disney movies from 1988 to 2005, including next week's episode when we will review Mighty Joe Young. Thank you for listening. And remember, ideas are a very dangerous thing.